Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned-out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hey, everyone. Well, Mara, we have seen some super explosive stories play out this week on screen. Days of Our Lives certainly came back with a bang as Ben whisked Sierra off to the cabin where she remembered their love and they happily reunited. We also saw EJ confront Sammy about sleeping with Lucas and she was subsequently kidnapped, marking the end of Allison Sweeney's current run. And we're also seeing a good triangle develop with Ava, Rafe, and Nicole. I really like that Ava's getting jealous of those two because she's such a wild card. And really, Tamara Braun is such an amazing actress and needs juicy material to sink her teeth into. Meanwhile, Bold and Beautiful has been completely can't miss thanks to Sheila's return. It is just such a solid twist that she is Finn's mother and the reactions on everyone's faces were priceless. I am completely hooked already. I was sort of living for the like extreme close-ups, zooming in on all the shocked faces. It just screamed soap opera to me in such a fun way and really drove home how many lives her return and the reveal that she is Finn's mother and thus Steffi's mother-in-law and the grandmother of her son will affect, you know, across the canvas, which is exactly what you want. I feel like YNR has also really picked up the pace. Phyllis busted Tara, who went off to jail, as well as Sally. Uh, Kyle and Summer reunited and decided to relocate to Milan. Ashlyn put a huge rock on Victoria's finger. And not to be outdone, on GH, Hayden's mom was murdered by a mysterious villain. Austin tried to use Chase's devastation over Michael and Willow's affair as leverage in his bid to claim a stake on ELQ, and the crew in Nixon Falls rallied around dying Lenny. For those of you who listened to the Maurice Bernard podcast a few weeks ago, these are uh, the scenes that he was talking about being on the verge of filming that he said were going to be so emotional. So it's a lot of big story all the way around as fall is sneaking up on us. And I honestly expect even more surprises and climaxes this autumn across the dial. I mean, it makes you wonder what they have left to tell. I mean, <laughs> I'm very excited to do our fall preview interviews to see what else the shows have in store. Now, in the new issue, we reveal that Cameron Matheson will be playing GH's Drew, and his first order of business will be getting in touch with 
Sam. I think this will be a really good fit for Cameron. I mean, physically, he has the same coloring as Drew's previous portrayer, Billy Miller, which to me is critical when you recast. I am not a fan of hiring someone who looks completely different than the actor who played them before. Uh, you know, like just create a new role then. Um, but there is a real potential here that intrigues me. We had heard he was going to play a different character, and I will admit I was definitely not as jazzed about that one as I am about him being Drew. Yes, my understanding is that when the show was first developing their plans for Cameron, they had another character in mind. And essentially, like over the course of a few weeks of discussion behind the scenes, that plan was scrapped and they went in the Drew direction. Now, Cam told me that he has done a lot of research into the history of the character and that he is a fan of Billy Miller's. Uh, viewers of All My Children will recall that Billy actually played Cameron's devious brother-in-law on that show. Um, so Cam said he did watch some of Billy's performances on YouTube to prepare. So we know that he will first be heard and not seen. Uh, Drew has been presumed dead courtesy of Peter for a few years and we will find out that he is alive when he places this distress call to Sam while she is on a proper date with Dante. Drew is also, of course, a Quartermain by blood. So I'm interested to see if, you know, his stake in the company will dovetail with the battle for control of ELQ that's already afoot. Uh, I also think it's fair to say that the mystery of where Drew is and why and is responsible is going to be a major story in the coming months. And speaking of GH and Major, Soap Opera Digest broke the news this past week that Days alum Charles Shaughnessy is joining the show in a contract role and will debut in September. I'm really excited about this. I think he will be great no matter what he does. Uh, but you know, this isn't the first time Charles has been in Poor Charles. He played Holly's cousin Alistair in 1984 before getting cast as Days of Shane. I watched the show then and I completely remember him as Alistair. The picture I have in my head of Holly's house for some reason is indelible and I see him in it. But anyway, back to B&B. Our guest today shakes up the canvas for the better anytime she is on. It's Kimberlyn Brown who has played Sheila Carter on both YNR and B&B and is already spicing up things in Los Angeles. So let's get her on the line and see how her most recent return has been so far. Hi Kimberlyn. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm as happy as you can possibly imagine. <laughs> well, we are equally happy to be number one talking to you, and especially that we're talking to you about your return to Bold and Beautiful. Um, but first, let's start. You were born in Hayward, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. How would you describe growing up there and yourself as a child? Well, you know, I was born in Northern California, but my mother moved to San Diego when I was quite young. So I, I had the best of both worlds. I got to hang out at the beach in San Diego, but then spend the summers on my grandparents' ranch up in Northern California being a cowgirl. So, um, you know, it was, it was just an ideal childhood in my, in my opinion. Looking back, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Now, you originally aspired to be an architect, but you were recruited as a model after being discovered by a big name agent, Nina Blanchard, uh, whose roster boasted some other names people might have heard of, like Cheryl Teagues and Christy Brinkley. So tell us how that happened and how you ultimately made the decision to give modeling a shot. Well, um, I grew up a really big tomboy, first off. I, 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 if I could have been a boy, I would have been so incredibly happy because I was into all of the sports and, and I was really good at them. And I had a group of girlfriends that dared me to be in a, a beauty contest. 
And I never in a million years thought that anything like that would, would happen. Um, but I did it, uh, you know, being that, that, uh, that inner boy at that time in my life, I was going to take the dare. And Nina Blanchard just happened to be a judge there. And that's where everything took off. I was 17. Um, it was the Miss La Mesa pageant here in San Diego. And uh, she gave me her business card and said, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in hiring you, but you'd have to move to Los Angeles. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to school. I'm going to be an architect. And she said, well, if you change your mind, give me a call. So I, I put that card on, on my uh, dresser in my bedroom and my mom saw it. And I had the kind of mom who always said, Kimberlyn, you know, go to school, go to school. Don't take off a year. If you take off a year, you'll never go back, that sort of thing. And then she saw that business card. She said, oh, well, where'd you get this? <laughs> and I said, well, that, that, that woman, I didn't know who she was. I, I, I had a very strict upbringing, and I was usually in bed by the time the Merv Griffin show came on. So uh, my mom said, well, she's the one that's always on the Merv Griffin show, and she has, you know, Christina Ferrari and Higgs <laughs> and all these people. And, and I... I um, I said, well, you know, I, I told her I was going to school, mom. She said, well, you can always go back to school, honey. <laughs> Not every day you get asked to model by someone like Nina Blanchard. So I want to say probably six months later, I, I went up and I had a meeting with her. And um, it kind of took off from there. After I graduated from high school, I, I moved to L.A. with uh, another gal that she, she introduced me to who was living in San Diego, who was already with her. Um, Christy uh, Welsh at the time. And so Christy and I moved to, to LA together and, and we were modeling for Nina for years. And we, it was just a incredible, incredible time in my life. It afforded me to do things and travel all around the world where otherwise I most likely wouldn't have been able to. Mm -hmm. um, now to that end, you worked in Tokyo and Paris and Milan. Um, was it as glamorous as it sounds on paper? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I mean, is, is it, is it a, a different lifestyle where you're treated differently? Definitely. I mean, when I got to Tokyo, they handed me, you know, cards to every private club in, in town, that sort of thing. And a lot of the young models utilized those cards because it was super expensive to live in Tokyo and very expensive to eat. So you'd go there and you'd, you'd eat and you'd drink and you'd go home. But um, um, it's, it's a different lifestyle. It's, it's, it's um, you know, survival of the fittest, quite honestly. You just can't give up. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something uh, because I'm, I'm living proof that you can. Well, when you moved back to the U.S., you started to make the transition into acting and started booking roles uh, while also taking classes to hone your skills. And there is one early project I simply must hear about your experience in, which is your role as girl in dorm hallway in what I consider to be a completely classic film, the Rodney Dangerfield starring Back to School. Right. He was, he was amazing, by the way. He's everything that you probably would imagine in person. He, he was one of the most uh, genuine, down-to-earth um, actors and, and incredibly friendly to everybody. 
on set. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was that was my first my first uh, um, I guess named named part in in a in a film and then came you know who's that girl with madonna and all these others but it it, it was one of those things where i was i was studying um I, I got, i've got to tell you how it started i i got an agent immediately through a friend of mine uh, because i was booking all of these smaller parts where they just wanted a pretty girl to come on say a couple of lines not too tall because most of your leading men were not too tall and I started getting everything that they sent me out and I'm going, huh, wow, this acting thing doesn't seem so tough. And then they send me out on, on this audition um, where I actually had to say more than just a couple of lines. And it was a comedy and I had them rolling. I mean, just rolling on, on, the, on the couch and on the floor. And I thought, oh my gosh, I got this. This is so easy. So I... Um, I went back and my agent told me to come and she needed to see me. And, and I was with Vicki Light at the time. And I went in to see Vicki and she said, so how'd you feel about that? And I said, well, I felt great. They, they were laughing. It's a comedy. This is going to be great. And she goes, Kimberlyn, they, they were laughing at you, <laughs> not with you. <laughs> and the one thing, you know, my business sense, um, that I grew up with, you know, at a very young age told me, okay, I guess I need to get into some acting classes now. Don't burn bridges. If you burn them, it's really hard to go back over them. And I got into classes immediately. I started studying with uh, Catherine Daly at uh, the Creative Actors Workshop in, um, in Burbank at the time, or, or, or very close to, to Burbank area. And uh, six months later, I was reading for John Hughes for Weird Science, and I went in to read for him uh, five times. He actually wanted me for the part, but Kelly LeBrock had just done Woman in Red. And at the end of the day, the studio does still get to decide. So um, it was a quick study, a quick study, and, and things just really started taking off for me from there. Wow. Well, in 1987, you made your daytime debut in the role of Danny on Capitol. That show was nearing its end, soon to be replaced on the CBS schedule by The Bold and the Beautiful. So what do you remember about being cast and just that first soap experience in general? I was excited. I was very excited because um, myself as Danny and, and the McCandless brother that I was playing with, I mean, we were both fairly new on, on the show, uh, being introduced as, you know, the people in the jungle that they were trying to get a hold of to come back and save the day. And um, it was great. I, I wasn't aware when I got signed to that role that they were going to be off of the air anytime soon. So that was disappointing for me. Here I was so excited. I finally got my teeth into something where I could, I could, you know, show my, show my talents. And then it was just taken away two weeks later. But uh, it was a great place for me to start. It really was. And to, to kind of see the dynamic behind the scenes in, in daytime TV, because I had been trained for film work and on soap operas, we do an entire script a day versus an entire script in, um, you know, 10, 10 to 14 days on a, on a regular show or what would normally take, you know, three months for a film. So it, it, was, it was throwing you right into the fire where you had to memorize 
massive amounts of dialogue immediately and get good at it really fast. So it was, it was a great, great learning experience for me. Well, still, as we're charting our path to The Young and the Restless, in 1990, you also had a very brief turn as Candace on Santa Barbara. What do you remember about being on that show? Uh, Candace, um, I, I remember all of the shows, of course, but um, Santa Barbara was another very short-lived um, endeavor because it also, I started to think, wow, is this little black cloud following me around? Every time I get on a show, it's getting canceled. What's going on? So, so same, same sort of thing um, as Santa Barbara, where, you know, learning more about the dynamics behind a show that had been established for some time, um, being the new person on a show versus, you know, the, the people that had been on there uh, from the beginning. It's, it's definitely a, a, a different dynamic for someone who's new on a show versus somebody who's, who's been there for, for, you know, since the conception. So, you know, I've, I've always been one of those people that I like to just take all of the, the positive things that I can learn from, from every show that I've been on and, and take the best of the best and, and carry it on with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so life as you knew it was about to change in a big way. You were called in to audition for Young and the Restless, originally, I think, for the role of Cassandra Rollins, and ultimately you were hired to play Sheila Carter, a role that was only supposed to last three months. So walk us through the whole audition process and getting the role of Sheila. Well, you know, the first off, just being able to audition for Young and the Restless, uh, it was a dream come true. That's the one show I grew up watching with my mom. That and As the World Turns. She was a CBS, a CBS soap watcher. So um, just telling my mom that I was going into audition for that show, it, just the look on her face and, and, you know, the twinkle in her eye, it was, it was really quite special to see. And then going in and auditioning for the part of Cassandra Rawlings um, was awesome. I mean, it was an awesome experience. I gave a great reading. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the actress that actually ended up playing Cassandra Rawlings, unbeknownst to me, had gone in and auditioned for another part earlier on. And, and the one thing that I've, I have found out about uh, Bill Bell is that if you're not right for that part, he doesn't forget about you for something else that comes along. So I was at a point in my acting career where, and modeling career both, where I, I you know, I'm, I'm starting to think of long-term career goals. What do I want to do? And I wanted to go back to school. Uh, Vicki Light, my agent, um, became ill and she ended up merging with two agents from New York, and it became the light Gordon Rawson company. And Gordon and Rawson brought their own people with them from New York. And I kind of fell the wayside where I was going on four or five interviews a week with Vicky. It's almost like somebody put a, a, a stick in the front wheel of my bike, you know, and it just stopped moving. So... I needed to consider my next moves and I decided to go back to school and become that architect. So I was going to quit modeling completely, quit acting completely. I was going to sell real estate um, just to, you know, make my way through school. 
and I got a phone call. I literally had just signed up for all the real estate courses. I had all of the books at the house and I got a call from Jill Newton, who was the head casting director at Young and the Restless. And she said, Hey, you know, there's this part coming up. It's not going to be very long, but you know, I said, Jill, you know, I'm, I'm going to school. I'm going to, I'm going to become that architect. I always wanted to be. And she said, well, this would help you pay for school. And it's only three months. And I said, well, okay, yeah, you're right. I'll come in. So, I mean, the fact that she's even calling me at home, so you can see, I, I no longer have an agent. So I go in to see Jill and uh, oh, well, well, before that, before that, uh, right before I quit, uh, one of my agents that used to be with, with uh, Vicki Light uh, went out uh, and she was with a, a, co a competing agency in town. And I won't name that agency because they're still very prominent in LA. So she wanted me to sign with them. And I went in and this is a true story. And this is why I say any of you people out there that really are, are considering being an actor um, or an actress, don't, don't let don't let the the certain people that you think are are high up in in um, you know the 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 world of acting and and management and agents and so on and so forth. Don't let that no turn you away because I went in and here I was being recommended by my agent who was was working with me at at the light company. And she wanted me there because she knew my track record and she knew how, you know, out of every, you know, four or five interviews, I was booking one for sure. And sometimes two, I, I mean, I was working back to back. I, I mean, huge roles. No, not yet, but always on that verge, always on that verge between you and the name person, you and, and, you know, the shares and, and the Kelly LeBrock's of the world, that, that sort of thing. And, um, I went in to see this gentleman and he, he literally pointed his finger at me and said, let this be a lesson to you that when you have somebody that believes in you and wants you to come to their agency, you should go. I would have taken you then, but I won't take you now. And I just went, well, okay. <laughs> that, was one of, that was one of my deciding factors to, to uh, go back to school. And then when Jill Newton called and I went in for the reading, I was so excited, but very nervous. I had it completely memorized. It was more of a performance than, than a reading. And Peter Barton was in reading with me. And I did the reading and, and finished. And they said, thank you very much. And I got in my car and, and headed home and realized that I left out probably an entire page of the reading that I was supposed to do. It was just, it was just like a, a natural flow for me. And it, I just dropped an entire page of the reading and I was like horrified, horrified. And I called Gail Camacho, who was handling the, the reading that, that week because uh, Jill was out on maternity leave. And I apologized profusely for about 20 minutes on the phone and said, Hey, if there's an opportunity to come back and try it again. And she just sat there going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And listened to me apologize for 20 minutes and then told me I got the job. Wow. <laughs> so, so that was, um, that was my first step, you know, through the doors at CBS and, and onto my mother's favorite soap opera, the young and the restless.
So obviously, uh, you made a very strong impression on the powers that be in the show, including William J. Bell, the legendary creator and former executive producer and head writer of the show. What do you remember about those early months uh, as Sheila of creating the character and about the feedback that you were getting on the set? Well, the, um, the wonderful thing about the about Bill Bell and with this character in particular is he had Ed Scott come and talk to me, who's the executive producer at that time on Young and the Restless. And Ed Scott said, there is no wrong. He said, you could even think Kathy Bates in misery, you know, where you're breaking somebody's ankles one minute and then kissing on them and loving them the next saying how much you love them. And that really, you know, I was always a huge fan of that show, Misery, at that movie. And I thought, oh my gosh, and I can do that and get away with it? <laughs> and he said, absolutely. There's no wrong. So it, it, made, it made my character choices um, a lot of fun because I, I was never really afraid to push the envelope because I already knew in my mind that there was no wrong. And sometimes I would try things that I thought, oh, they're never going to go for this. And, you know, Ed would come on over the loudspeaker afterwards going, oh, that was awesome. That was great. That was perfect. That was what, it's exactly what we're looking for. So I, I was really blessed to um, have, have a lot of creative input to my character. I really rarely rarely ever if if anything i would try something and if i got notes from from ed it would be to do it even bigger do it even bigger take it even farther take it even farther so it it was just i i can't even begin really to explain how lucky i am as an actress to not have somebody curb sheila mm -hmm. Um, they really gave me free reign with her, and obviously I, I was taking her in the direction that Bill wanted me to take her in, that kept it interesting and kept it, kept it vibrant and, and kept people, you know, tuning in to see what was going to happen next. Um, otherwise, I'm sure I would have gotten, you know, a phenomenal amount of notes, and that three-month three uh, contract would have ended in three months. I was blessed that that she developed such an incredible following that has kept her alive all these years. Well, how did you feel for what you thought was a three-month gig? You're going to go back to school, turned into a long-term contract. Um, I was incredibly excited. <laughs> it was, you know, be, before Vicky Light merged with, uh, with the other two gals from New York, I was having the time of my life. I was really on the verge of something bigger. And, you know, I had two people that didn't understand me and didn't know me come from New York and, and pretty much stopped my career. And to have it resurrected by, um, by Jill Newton, who remembered me from from three years before auditioning for Cassandra Rawlings, um, I, was, I was very blessed. And I'm very, you know, I, I attribute the opportunity that Bill and his family gave me and has given me um, to, you know, being able to do things in life I, I otherwise never would have been able to do, possibly on my own. Mm -hmm. Well, in that first 
uh, stint that you had on YNR. Sheila was up to no good pretty much nonstop. Mm -hmm. uh, and the story of her rivalry with Lauren and the stealing the baby, I mean, it was just the hottest thing going in daytime at the time and really is just held up as, as such an incredible creative period for the show. Um, so talk to us about working with Tracy E. Bregman as closely as you did as your rival, Lauren. Well, let's be honest here, okay? I mean, it didn't get nasty and evil until Lauren decided she wanted Scott. She didn't want him when she had him. <laughs> so, no, she didn't want him until I started showing interest in him. And he actually started showing a little interest in me. So working with Tracy was great. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. We had a chemistry that was necessary for, for the storyline to be pulled off. And she's the tiniest little thing that you've ever seen in your life. And I'm sure you have seen her in person. So you know what I'm talking about. And with the physicality of our, of our role together, um, you know, there was a definite trust that was created because I had to protect her. I had to keep her unscratched and unharmed <laughs> through all the things that we did. So it was, uh, it was a great relationship. I mean, every time you get Tracy and I together, it's, um, they're just fireworks between our characters that, that work. I mean, it truly works. We had to make it real for ourselves. You know, my backstory that I created for myself was that, you know, all, all Sheila ever wanted was to be loved. And then every time she had somebody start to show her that kind of, of love and affection that she craved her entire life, there was always a, a Lauren or a Stephanie or somebody to, to try to make sure that that didn't happen. And that just kind of fueled the fire for those, those depths that I would take my character to as well. And it was a lot of fun for Tracy because it's the first time she had to deal with crazy. <laughs> um, well, in 1992, the show made a bold choice to faux kill Sheila off in a fire and have her pop up unscathed and ready to wreak havoc on a whole new community of characters. And you made your way to B&B in what is arguably the most successful crossover in soap history. So tell us what you remember about how that came about and what your feelings were about going to a new show. Well, I was on set, Young and the Restless, and I got a call um, from, Bill Bo from Bill Bell on set. I'd never received a call from him on set before, and I thought, okay, this is it. This is, you know, it's been a good run three months turned into, you know, several years. I can't be disappointed. And I got him on the phone and he says, are there people around you? And I said, yes. And he said, okay. He said, no one can know what we're talking about. I said, okay. And he said, Sheila has had a phenomenal run on Young and the Restless Kimberlin. You know that. I said, thank you. And he said, I've written her, unfortunately, into a position that I really can't get her out of. So he said, how about if Sheila went to Los Angeles? And I said, uh-huh. And he said, 
well, Bold and the Beautiful is in Los Angeles. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, well, I'd like to take Sheila to the Bold and the Beautiful. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, well, what do you think? <laughs> and I said, I think that would be great. And he said, okay. He said, nobody can know. Nobody in that room that hears you on the phone now. Nobody on set. Absolutely no one can know for us to pull this off and make it successful. And I said, okay. And I hung up the phone. And people in the booth said, so what, what, what's up? What's going on? I said, nothing. He just wanted to tell me that he really liked the way I was playing this scene and gave me a couple of notes. He said, they said, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so the one thing that I've, I've always been brilliant at is keeping a secret because I know how important it is for a show's success and for, a, um, for whatever Bill had in mind, I knew it had to be big and he'd already been planning it. And the one thing about, about um, Mr. Bell was, you know, he, he never thought in the moment, he always thought long-term. Long so I knew that, that he had things in mind and planned that, you know, had to be handled in a certain way. And I kept my mouth shut for a very long time. <laughs> And that day that John McCook showed up on Young and the Restless for that phone call, and um, every single monitor in the studio was was black, so there wasn't a single actor that could see it on their on their screens. And they were shot at the end of the day, so that most of the actors were gone already. Um, I knew that that was pivotal, pivotal, and and uh, that was my introduction to Bold and Beautiful. It, it did great things for B&B creatively and also, I think, in drawing eyes to the show to have you join the cast. Like, looking back, is it a point of pride that it, it would appear like you, you, you had a pretty positive effect on the ratings for both shows? Um, I did. I really did. Uh, the, the show, uh, I mean, Bill's, Bill's idea and his thought process was brilliant, quite honestly. He took one of the number one storylines in daytime with myself and Tracy and took it to Bold and Beautiful. Um, he, he brought eyes to, to a show that a lot of people otherwise might not have seen. And he was brilliant in the way that, that he handled that crossover because he had a definite understanding of the strength of my storyline with Tracy and the numbers that were happening even on Young and the Restless being the number one show in daytime were going off the charts. So he, he, he manipulated masterfully as he did with everything that he did, everything he touched. Mm -hmm. And I could not have been happier to be a part of that whole experience and to, to you know, be there and, and welcomed by such a you know a great cast as well. Susan Flannery is just one of the strongest actresses I've ever worked with in my life, and and Ken Haynes, you know, my my sidekick was, uh -huh. is just oh, talk about an incredible amount of fun. And obviously, the cast that I work with has always been very very limited. It's always been very direct storyline driven. So 
you know, whenever you had the opportunity to have a scene with, with somebody um, outside of your storyline, it was always a lot of fun. Um, well, you also cross paths from the get-go with, as you mentioned, you know, John McCook, Susan Flannery, uh, Ron Moss, who played Rich at the time, and Catherine Kelly Lang, all four original cast members um, who had never encountered someone like Sheila. So how would you describe the dynamic of working with all of them? Um, you know, it, it was great, obviously. Um, once again, working with Susan Flannery, somebody who did not want to see uh, me be happy with her ex-husband. <laughs> so a lot of that Tracy dynamic was there from the get-go. You know, here she didn't want she didn't want uh, Eric, and once somebody else did, you know, she was damned and determined to make sure she didn't have him either. So it was it was. Um, it, it was a great way of bringing the, the whole dynamic that was so popular on Young and the Restless with, with Sheila and Tracy to the Bold and the Beautiful. And here Sheila finally has another opportunity at love and being happy. And Eric loves her for her and they're happy. And then, you know, Stephanie makes sure that that's not going to happen. Something about these rich people. What the hell? <laughs> You're a big threat. I guess so. I guess so. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, working with Catherine, working with everybody. I, to me, there, there's only two kinds of acting, and that's acting and, and not acting. So I always, I always feel that when you have the opportunity to work with new actors on the show, you have the opportunity to explore new places to take your, your character as well. And I've never looked at, at working with, with actors as any kind of a deficit. I've always looked at it as, oh, this is great. We're just going to make the best thing happen with, with these words that have been given to us on this page to propel the storyline. Well, us being Soap Opera Digest, we have to make mention of the fact that you won two Soap Opera Digest Awards uh, in oh, this era for Outstanding Villainous. I know you can't see me, but they're sitting right behind me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they are. They're sitting right behind me. And, and that, was, that was very exciting. Very exciting to be voted on by the fans um, to, to, uh, to have that kind of an honor. It, it, it was fabulous. Because quite honestly, I truly believe that I wouldn't be where I, where I am today if it weren't for my fans. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Um, you know, not that you didn't have anything to do with it or anything. But, <laughs> um, well, you did leave B&B &B in 1998. Do you remember thinking at the time that you were definitely done playing Sheila? Or did you have it in your head that there might be more Sheila down the road? Um, you know, I, I'm one of those positive people in life that I, I never say never. And I always think that, you know, the best is yet to come. I used to sign every single one of my photographs that way, the best is yet to come. So, you know, playing the kind of character that I do play, obviously there are times when they're either going to have to, you know, I'm not even going to say the K word to get rid of her or, you know, she simply disappears. I like that whole, she just disappears thing because then I know that there is an opportunity down the road um, to come back. And, I've, I've been blessed. Like I said, you know, I'm, I, I have other businesses as well. You know, I, I'm 
one of those people my grandmother taught me at a very young age, diversify, diversify, diversify. So I actually invested my money and and I have businesses down here in San Diego. I, I employ 250 people. And so I'm, I'm busy. I, I do have a, a life outside of acting. But uh, when that door opens up and I get that phone call to come back, I, I have never said no, ever. Because Sheila is my baby. She really is. I know that there are other actors that have tried to, to play Sheila in the past. And I'll never forget getting that call from Michelle Stafford saying, Kimberlyn, are you okay with this? <laughs> I thought, you're asking me? Are you are, seriously? And she said, yeah. She goes, I'm going to try. I'm going to give it my best shot. But I just wanted to let you know, you know, you know, I'm, I'll do my best with, with your character. And I said, thank you, you know, for that. And um, those are storylines that, that, you know, thankfully for me, didn't last terribly long. And I keep getting that call to come back as Sheila. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm just thrilled with that. It's, it's, uh, it's a role. She's my baby. She's my baby. And I don't think I would ever say no to her. Well, I'm interested in hearing about another call that you got, which was to play Rachel Locke on Port Charles, which you did on and off for several years, uh, playing yes. the adoptive mother of Kelly Monaco's Livy. And you worked closely with John Lindstrom, uh, Lynn Herring, uh, very, uh, you know, names beloved by fans of another network. So what was right. that experience like? That was interesting. It was, um, you know, playing a new character for one thing, you know, I was very comfortable in Sheila's shoes and now I'm developing a new character, Rachel Locke. And it was challenging. It was, um, you know, trying to not fall back into, you know, things that you know that works for another character and, and create something completely new. It was, it was a, a, a challenge and a welcome challenge. I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, Kelly was very new on the show, as you remember, and um, it was the first show I ever worked on where they had an acting coach on set, and they were helping Kelly along the way, and it was a great relationship that I had with her because I started helping her and running lines with her and working with her and you know, showing her how you can create your own thing and still make it work within the parameters of what they were looking for. And we just had a great relationship because of it. And she, she got very confident in what she was doing. And um, I had a great time. I mean, John was great. I, I mean, Lynn, her career speaks for herself, for itself. But um, it, it, it was, it was, um, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't ever want to bad mouth a, a show and I would never bad mouth actors or anything like that. But there were times it simply didn't run as smoothly as, as what I was used to. There's no doubt about that. A lot of, um, a lot of opinions and things like that, um, from actors on the show and, to me, that kind of gets in the way of, of people working. When, you f when you're fighting against a script and what they're, what they're trying to get out of that script, you're changing storyline midstream. And I'm more about, I'm an actress, that's what you hire me to do. 
and I will give you the best performance I can with the material that you've given me. I'm not a writer. I'm not a director. I'm not a producer. And there are a lot of actors out there that, that think they are. And some of them are. Some of them actually are. But um, it, it was just difficult sometimes when you knew what the storyline was supposed to be, but then taglines would be changed or added um, that completely would change the meaning of, of the work that you did that day. Well, it sounds like you're every um, executive producer's dream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, in 2002 and 2003, you went back to B&B. Sheila was up to a whole lot of no good. She shot Taylor. She kidnapped Ridge and Brooke, leaving Ridge presumed dead. So maybe not so much fun for them, but was it fun for you to be back? Absolutely. It's always fun. Are you kidding? And you know what? Nobody would have gotten shot if Taylor hadn't reached for the gun. Okay. I mean, who does that? Am I right? Who does that? They could have talked me down from that easily. I had on a beautiful blue party dress. I was there to celebrate and, and get rid of a few people. And I'm sure if they would have just fed me a martini, things would have been fine. But, um, but I mean, hey, what are the odds of getting two people with one shot, though? That's pretty good, I think, <laughs> right? Um, and Mark Smith as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, you know the, the thing about my character, even though um, she hasn't always been a mainstay for the show, she's definitely the one that they bring back when they need to stir things up, when they need to, you know... Uh, get things moving, get things exciting, get things, you know, different again. So it's, it's always been fun for me to go back and, and, you know, what's wrong with kidnapping a, a couple of guys and tank tops and, you know, hey, let's come on. I mean, it was all good. And I get to, f f you know, throw a Glock around the room. It's, it's, it's pretty nice. Those are the days. Those are the days. I actually, I have that photograph of me bursting into the barn with the, uh, the Forrester boys tied up and, and, uh, me with my Glock. <laughs> so, I, I guess, I guess, you know, Sheila gets to do, on the show, what a lot of people probably in real life wish they could do. <laughs> and um, they if love- If it weren't for all those pesky laws, Kimberlyn. Yeah, what the heck, right? <laughs> Thank God those laws are a little different in, in the daytime world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so you also, uh, you know, in the era that you were referencing where Michelle played Sheila for a while, you also returned to The Young and the Restless, and it had been some time since you'd been on that particular set. What was uh, that return like? That was wonderful. I mean, that, that was, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's my birthing place, I guess you could say. <laughs> and, um, you know, the cast was just excited to have me. Eric Braden was always, oh, we need, we need a storyline together. <laughs> God, I'd love that. I'd love that, but I, I don't know where Sheila would quite fit in there. Oh, it'd be fantastic. So it was like, um, I had a lot of great support, a lot of great support going back there. And once again, you know, just to, to stir the pot a little bit, make things interesting and, and give them uh, a different outlet to, to divert, quite honestly. I mean, Sheila was always a phenomenal diversion for, um, for starting new storyline as well. Mm -hmm. 
Well, in 2004, you headed east. You took on the recurring role of a doctor, Paige Miller, on One Life to Live. So this was your first sustained role on a New York soap. So what stands out about that experience and being on that set? You know, I had a wonderful time, an absolutely wonderful time. The cast was amazing to me. I loved working with, with Bobby. Um, and I created a character there that I felt very comfortable with. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think somebody else had played her before me, uh, if I recall correctly. But um, Bobby and I just had a great chemistry and it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I was in New York by myself. You know, my family lives on the West Coast. So I would fly out Sunday nights and they arranged my schedule. So I would work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and fly home Thursday after work so I could, you know, see my kids. And then during the summer, I actually took my son with me. He was my date to the Emmy Awards that one year, if you guys recall the, the pictures of him in his little suit there at some of the parties. Mm -hmm. And then Bobby's, um, Bobby's wife, we, you know, was kind enough to, you know, watch Nick that night and Bobby and I went together. And it, it's an interesting story. <laughs> here comes another story, ladies. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't under contract. I was reoccurring and going back and forth and I probably wasn't the, the most cost effective person to have on, on the show. I've got to be honest. Um, I was willing to move to New York. That's how much fun I was having with this character and how much I really enjoyed working with Bobby Woods. And I got a call when I was in New York from uh, the bold and the beautiful asking me if I, I would be interested in coming back. Now, I hadn't been on B&B for a while, and I just assumed that they were no longer interested in, um, you know, in Sheila. And that's when I got the call from New York and went there, and um, our storyline was really working on, on, uh, with, with Robert and myself. And... Um, I guess maybe Brad or somebody took notice and didn't want to lose Sheila. I, that's the only thing I can come up with, but I got a phone call asking if I would come back and they wanted to put me back under contract. And I, I went to, um, you know, my show in New York first and I, I told them the scenario and, and I just don't think that they were willing to um, make the decision at that time and because of that, I did say yes to Bold and Beautiful. And um, it's ironic that right after I said yes to Bold and Beautiful, then New York came back and said, okay, we're going to, we want, we want you and we're going to put you under contract. And by then I said, well, it's too late. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, so that was a time that I, I turned down the, the uh, job in New York to come back to Bold and the Beautiful. And then my part on Bold and the Beautiful didn't last. I didn't last long at all. I mean, they signed me to a ridiculously long contract. And I think I was finished within, I don't know, maybe six months to a year, that kind of thing. And then I started kind of regretting not doing the one in, in New York because they were offering me a, an ironclad, you know, contract deal that, that um, was going to, because I, I told them at this point, if I'm going to move to New York, I want to make sure that you don't have an out on me. And they said, no, we're going to definitely make sure that it, it, it's this, that, or the other. But um, 
you know, everything happens in life for a reason. I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. And to me, it was, it, it was a really smart business move. You know, being the businesswoman that I am, it, it was a very smart, intelligent business move for, for Bold and Beautiful to take me away from one life to live. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, once again, you know, they recast that part. So you knew I wasn't going to go back to that and gave the person a contract role. And um, now they still had Sheila available to them when they needed her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, it's, it's all about business. And I, I understand, um, you know, why they did what they did. And if I were in their position, I probably would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the, the next call that you got from B&B, which was in 2017. Uh, that was such a huge deal when you came back. And I feel like here we are again, 2021, Sheila's back. Uh, and there's still that much excitement, honestly, I think on the part of the viewers and just the soap industry in general. Uh, so tell us how this particular comeback came about. When did the call come in? I'll, we want to hear all the details. Well, you know, it's interesting. I got a call from Eva asking me if I would come in to um, tape a, uh, a segment for Australia for uh, a special that they were doing for Australia. and. I, of course, almost didn't get to do it. I originally wasn't going to be able to make the date. And then Eva, um, you know, said, hey, how about this date instead? And I said, yeah, that one I can do. That one, that one is, is definite because I, I have a, had a design job that I had a, um, an install for that I couldn't move. So everything worked out and I ended up going up there for the, um, the taping for Australia. And... It was just, uh, the gal interviewing me was just awesome. She was, you know, down to earth and gosh, well, you know, Kimberlyn, you know, asking a lot of the same questions that you have, obviously, and and going through the same answers I've been giving you. And then, well, you know, do you think Sheila would ever come back? Because I can tell you that the fans here in, in Australia would love that. And I said, yeah, never say never. <laughs> You know, basically, um, Sheila's my baby. And I, 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 if they ever called me to ask me, I, I, I would definitely say yes on either show. And she, you know, it's kind of the way that the, the interview ended. And, and during the, my time there, I took a photograph of my drive-on pass. I took a photograph, a, self, a selfie of me in the dressing room. And then I had um, our head of publicity for international, uh, David, take pictures of me with the green screen and then, you know, flipping it around and showing it to, you know, who I was being interviewed by. And um, the day after I finished there and, and first off, I mean, going back into hair and makeup and everything, it was almost like I'd never left. It was it was phenomenal. I mean, everything from wardrobe to my, my best friends, whenever I work seem to be the people behind the scenes. And I I just, it was just lovely to see everybody again. It was, it was like uh, old home week. And I, I got home and the next day I thought, huh, I think I'll post this little drive on pass from CBS and blacked out, you know, the, the name of the person that, you know, approved the drive on and so on and so forth. And I posted this saying, Hey, you know, just a teaser. 
um, at CBS today doing a fun little project. Tell you more later. And my Instagram blew up pretty much with that. And then the next day I posted um, a picture of me on the green screen. Another little, you know, sneak peek of what's to come. I'll let you know more when I can. And Instagram blew up again. And um, obviously I'm tagging Eva on all this stuff with Bold and Beautiful, fan, you know, at B&B, CBS and, and tagging YNR as well. And, and uh, then I posted one of a selfie of me in the dressing room and it blew up. I got a call about three weeks later um, from Casey actually saying, well, I don't know what you did and what you've been posting, but Brad has been noticing. And I said, oh, okay, <laughs> great, great. And he said, yeah, he's got a couple things in mind, but you know, nothing's positive. I just wanted to give you a heads up. And I said, okay. And um, that's where it started. That's where it began. And, and I'm sure that it wasn't because I was there, you know, taping something for Australia. I'm sure Brad had something in his mind already. And I just kept pulling the trigger on Instagram and he was seeing the responses and, and liked what he saw. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe my pulling the trigger on, on my Instagram helped him pull the trigger on, on bringing Sheila back. And in a very big story, um, you know, in a shocking and soapy twist, Sheila was revealed to be the mother of Steffi's baby daddy, Finn. Um, giving her another major connection to the Forrester clan. So what did you think when you heard the twist? So before I answer that question, uh, before I, I knew anything about the storyline, I came home and there were beautiful flowers, beautiful flowers sitting in my kitchen. And it says, Dear Kimberlyn, Sheila is back. Watch out! Exclamation point, exclamation point. A warm welcome back to the bold and the beautiful. I look forward to the exciting storyline ahead, Brad. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was really pretty darn cool. So um, I really wasn't aware of what my, my storyline was going to be. I've got to be honest, until I, I received my first scripts. Because once again, I was asked to keep everything very, very quiet. They weren't sure how they wanted to roll this out. Was it going to be a big surprise? Um, which originally, I think that that was the, the thought process. Um, so I, you know, as I got my scripts and, and let me tell you, they're, they're lengthy. They're, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a huge, huge opening. Um, I'm talking, you know, like five, seven page monologues, scene after scene after scene after scene. So I, I was thrown right back into the fire again, as, uh, as Tanner would say, he goes, wow, they sure didn't bring you back lightly, did they? I said, <laughs> I said no, I said, they, they never do. But um, when I found out that, that Finn was my son, I was excited. I mean, terribly excited because all the years that Sheila's been on the show and I know I have other children, I'm finally going to get to act with one of them. Do you know what I mean? More than, more than just a little while. Um, and I, I think about this. I mean, I finally have a connection to the Foresters. Right. 
through Steffi, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> you can know. I gonna speculate not? <laughs> um, I'd love to hear about your, your first meeting with, with Tanner. Well, it was, it was great because um, with the COVID, um, the COVID stuff going on, everything's much different at the studio. Um, we, we have to download our scenes at, at home pretty much. And then we get a letter saying, well, and after hair and makeup, if you have time to run lines, please feel free. So I'm excited because I have page upon page upon page of monologues with him. And I'm looking at the monitor. I go, okay, I need to find this young man so that I can go and run lines with him. Well, he's in every single scene that morning <laughs> before me. So our first meeting together and our first acting experience together was completely 100% cold because we were never given the opportunity to, to run any of our lines. I mean, after, after our first couple scenes and then we had a couple of fives where we could run, you know, the ones that were coming up next, it, it was... Uh, it was great, but that was his first introduction to me. Just, you know, this woman walking onto set that he's never met in his life um, and, and never got to rehearse with, and here we go. So I think, I think you're gonna like it. I think you're really gonna like it. Um, there's, you know, there's just some good stuff coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the first, meaning I imagine we see between Finn and Sheila is pretty revelatory. So what happens when Sheila does make a connection with Finn? Well, let's see. Would you, knowing Sheila, expect that to be a bright, light, cheery scenario or maybe something that just kind of comes out of the shadows? You tell me. What, um, like, what was it like for you to go to work that first day? Like, were you excited? Did you have any butterflies, any anxiety? No, no, no anxiety. Um, you know, any butterflies were just that I had so much dialogue and I didn't want to disappoint by not delivering, uh, because that's one thing that I've, I've always prided myself on is being well prepared. And um, kind of like I told you, when I went back for that, that shoot for Australia, it, it was like going home. It truly was. Um, I have a, a phenomenal relationship with, with my producers and my directors and, and the crew and the actors. And the only thing is, is there are so many new actors, truly, um, since the last time I was there. I, I mean, you've got Torsten and you've got Catherine and you've got John McCook. Um, Don Diamond, obviously, who I've known for years, but still haven't run, I, I ran into him when we were doing the thing for Australia, but haven't run into him on set yet. And, you know, the, the two young men that play his sons and, and um, but my storyline really has uh, a large amount of, of very new people. So I'm, when I walked in that room, I saw a lot of faces that, that were new to me. And uh, Thomas is different now. And, and, um, um, you know, I don't think I ever had any scenes with Hope or, or anybody like that. So I'm excited to see what's coming down the pike because they've really introduced me to such a broad range of actors in the room that anything is possible. Anything is possible for a very long time. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. um, will we see anything different about Sheila this time around? Has she changed at all? Well, of course, with time comes change. 
You know, I, I thought she had changed the last time she was there. I mean, she was really trying to be a better person. There's no doubt about that. And I don't think that that has changed. Um, but, you know, even people that have become better and better to, uh, you know, in the face of society and so on and so forth, when you have certain elements in, in life that refuse to acknowledge that, that betterment, you know, you just hope you just don't slip back into some of your old ways. <laughs> uh, well, what kind of just general tease can you give about what we can expect this time around with Sheila and with you on B&B? I guess it's the way I have always signed my pictures. Get ready because the best is yet to come. I love it. I love it. Well, what does it mean to you, Kimberlyn, that now, like 31 years after you were introduced to Sheila, like it's, it's like, I feel like my own life has been marked by Sheila's visits to daytime, you know, in a weird way. Um, what does it mean to you that the character is still as high impact as she is, that there's still so much excitement around her and that she's just been this through line for you professionally? Well, I, I'm, I'm very, very blessed that, um, you know, the writers that, that write for my character have stayed you know, incredibly creative, pushing that, that, that envelope, you know, um, giving me an opportunity to come back and always make her a little different, a little new, um, a little more exciting. And all I can say is, you know, I, I could not be happier that three months turned into that 31 years. Okay. And if it weren't for my fans, loving the character that I play, that, that love that, that what I do with the words that are put before me from the writers and producers and the directors that direct me along the way. Um, you know, it's, it's not about one person. It's about an entire production. And I've been blessed that this production has really taken care of Sheila and have coddled her the way that they have and protected my character to the point that I have been allowed to come back and successfully, you know, resurrect my character for, for 31 years. Um, now you mentioned, you know, running parallel to your prolific soap career, you and your husband started various businesses, including an avocado farm. And you also worked in interior design, um, mm -hmm. not to mention a political run. Now, did you ever have any clients who were like, oh my God, Sheila Carter is designing my living room. I'd better run for cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's only one design client that I've ever worked for that, that, uh, was a fan. Um, and no, no, my, my other clientele, they, they, they've never really uh, watched a whole lot of daytime because they run major corporations of their own. Um, Hence why they're not in supermarkets to see you on the cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, it's interesting. A, a few of them will go on and Google me after they find out that sort of thing. And they don't normally find out until we're out, you know, furniture shopping and doing things and other people have recognized me and then they go, Oh, who are you? <laughs> so it's like, okay, it's all good. But, uh, no, we, we, um, bought an avocado farm in, in North County, San Diego. Uh, gosh, 
over 16 years ago. Um, that has been amazing. I was actually appointed uh, by the USDA this year to uh, be on the board for the Haas Avocado Board for um, for the United States. Wow. Yep. And then, yeah, thank you. And then um, we're in the boating and marina business down here in San Diego area. Um, Gosh, you know, all kinds of things, laundromats, financial services, uh, my design company, uh, bait and tackle stores, fishing charters, a lot to do with the water, a lot to do with the water. And we were very, very blessed during COVID that uh, the outdoor activities at our facilities were never closed down for a large amount of time because we also own fuel marinas and our government needed our marinas open to fuel their vessels. So it was, it was great. Mm -hmm. incredible. We, we, we were actually very, very blessed. Well, Kimberlyn, this has really been such a joy. Uh, but before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to say directly to the Sheila fans out there who are listening and are psyched that she is back in action? I want to say thank you. Uh, you, you know, um, I just haven't had the opportunity to say something like that on stage for a very long time. And as I sit here with my two Soap Opera Digest Awards behind me, I, I never would have had those without my fans. And thank you to my fans. Thank you to the Bell family for believing in me all of these years. Um, it's, I'm truly blessed. I'm truly blessed to have them all. So thank you. Well, we are also very excited to see you back if we haven't made that clear and look forward to seeing what Sheila is up to this time. Thank you. And, and, and I'm very excited that, that you still wanted to talk to me. So thanks. Thanks very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a great day. This was wonderful. Yeah. All right. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Kimberlyn Brown for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Mm -hmm.